Everybody has a past. It's part of what makes us who we are and why we do the things we do. The scars it leaves, however, are never far away. People deal with their past in many different ways, be it embracing it, learning from it, reflecting on it, or simply burying it. Others, like the man in today's recommendation, deals with it in another way. He runs from it. This running has taken him far from his childhood estate on an island in Washington, all the way to his small home in Texas, where we join him in a masterpiece of the 70s. So if you're like me, and you enjoy film and the impact and emotions they convey, then grab a glass of your preferred liquid and join me for the next little while. For me, that's a glass of Pinot Grigio from our friends at Sutter Home. So sit back, relax, and let's talk about the love of film. Welcome to Glazed Cinema. film is a very interesting subject, and one that had a big influence on how films were both made and approached back in the 70s. Taking its namesake from a beginner piano songbook, Five Easy Pieces is a legendary film from 1970. Released under BBS Productions, also responsible for films like Easy Rider and The Last Picture Show, Five Easy Pieces remains a beacon of realism in film. Although it was released along such classics, I feel that Five Easy Pieces stands out for a few reasons. One such reason is that it's an incredibly honest and real film that shows its grit. There aren't any frills or extra bits, just a window into one man's life, shown for what it is and how it is. Another reason is how the story is told and the brilliant acting performances turned in by the likes of Jack Nicholson, Karen Black, and Lois Smith. The film follows a man who works on an oil rig. He goes by Bobby, and despite coming from a wealthy and musically inclined family from Washington, he currently lives in Texas working his blue-collar job outdoors. He lives with his girlfriend in a small one-bedroom house and doesn't talk of his past. One day, that changes, as his self-carved path through life is interrupted when he has to return home to visit his ill father. The film starts with dirt and rocks being poured out of a construction vehicle. There are men banging at pipes under a blue and violet dusk sky. Soon, Tammy Wynette's Stand By Your Man begins to play as we see a car driving down the road, its headlights cutting through the night. Behind the wheel is Bobby, played by Jack Nicholson. 
He enters his home with a six-pack of beer in hand. Putting the alcohol in the fridge, he keeps one metal cylinder with him. As he cracks it open, taking a sip, he walks through the living room and peers into the bathroom. Sitting on the sink and applying mascara in the mirror is his girlfriend, Rayette, played by Karen Black. They talk of their work days and Rayette singing before he tells her they're going out to see their friends. Now at a bowling alley, they sit at a table with their friends, Elton and Stoney, who are clearly winning the game. Elton works with Bobby, and Stoney is his other half. Each time Rhea approaches the line, she releases the ball only to watch it go into the gutter. Annoyed by his girlfriend's lack of bullying skills, we can almost see the layers being stripped away as his patience wears thin. Rayette finally hits a strike before they begin taking their shoes off. Wrapping up, Rayette is excited about finally hitting the pins at the other end of the lane, which leads to Bobby verbally lashing out as she leaves the alley to sit in the car. After a conversation with two other ladies at the bowling alley, he joins Rayette at the car where Rayette tells him that she doesn't appreciate the way he talks to her sometimes. As they make up, we cut to daytime, where Elton and Bobby are working at the oil rig and eating lunch. These sequences reveal the human character of each individual, bearing their warts for us to see. There's a lot that I appreciate about this film, but its hard-hitting grit is among the top. It's incredibly real, and nothing is forced. Everything feels authentic. I also appreciate how Riette sticks up for herself and tells him she deserves to be treated better, as she does. Bobby is a man that is insecure with himself. We get a sense that he's scarred from his past and doesn't want to confront it, only run from it. In doing so, he buries his emotions under jesting or signs of anger. However, that's just what I feel. Nothing to that effect is ever really communicated. Jack's character is two things, to be certain. Complex and flawed. It's also clear that he doesn't know what he truly wants. He's made a habit of causing problems and then running from those problems. We see him do a few things at the beginning that show us this fact. For instance, he has a nice girlfriend with whom he lives with, but who he also mistreats and cheats on. There's another side of him that we see short glances of, which we really only see come out when he's with his family in Washington. The most noteworthy moment is when he's speaking to his father. It's the most fragile and tender we see him, and is a wonderful moment. He also loves his sister, who we meet unexpectedly one day. At one point, he enters a recording studio where we hear a piano being played brilliantly. Standing against the wall, Bobby smiles, looking through the glass at a woman playing, passion oozing through her fingers. This is Partita, Bobby's sister played by Lois Smith. 
We can tell that, like her brother, she is highly skilled at the instrument, and through her conversation with the producer, that she keeps going off on tangents while playing. Entering the studio at a break in the music, Bobby speaks with his sister and learns that their father is very ill. He's had two strokes, and she suggests that he visit him one last time. He agrees, but decides to drive himself instead of going up with her. We can tell through their interactions that they both care about each other, despite not having seen each other for years. Coming back home, he tells Rayette, who is laying in bed, of the news of his father, and then he must leave. He begins packing up a suitcase and leaves the house, only to start flailing and banging angrily before he goes back into the house to invite Rayette to come with him. On the way, they pick up two women whose car has crashed into a ditch. The pair are quite eccentric, and interesting is quite an understatement. They're on their way to Alaska, and one of them always talks about how everything is, well, crap. They're a bit of a tension lifter, and I can't help but chuckle about the amount of times that she'll go on and on about the filth and dirt, but then she'll say she doesn't want to talk about it. I can't begin to count how many times the word crap is uttered here, but by the time they enter the diner to get a bite to eat, I think I'd be as wound up as Bobby is. This tension and annoyance comes out in its own way. What happens is one of the most famous sequences in the film, and it's possible you've witnessed that scene alone. It isn't until he arrives home that we see what is under the multi-layered exterior. He arrives home in Washington by boarding a ferry to an island. Rayette is not with him, as he's left her at the motel for a few days while he visits with his family and gauges the temperature. Arriving at a two-story Victorian mansion, we are far from his abode in Texas. Here, instead of being called Bobby, they refer to him as Robert. His family is full of talented musicians, which includes his brother Carl, sister Partita, and sister-in-law Catherine. His father, too, was a concert pianist in his youth, and Bobby is a counter-image of his upbringing seemingly rebelling and running from his past in whatever form that takes. At its core, Five Easy Pieces is a character study of a rather complex man who has come at a crossroads. Through this small snippet of his life, we see the duality of the character, one who is insecure, short-tempered, and lustful and another who is fragile, emotional, and fun-loving. He hides the second side of himself under his hardened exterior, afraid or ashamed to show or share his emotions and true feelings. There are a lot of great scenes in this movie, but one of my favorites is when Bobby and Elton are driving down the freeway when they hit traffic and this isn't the slow-moving kind. This is the standstill kind of traffic. Bobby, behind the driver's seat, loses his temper over the honking horns, and he exits the vehicle. 
getting out of the car, he yells at the other drivers, declaring, Why don't you line up like a goddamn bunch of ants at the most beautiful part of the day and... He's interrupted as a car pulls up with a dog peeking through the window, obscuring the driver, and aggressively and loudly barks at him. Bobby answers this with his own bit of scowling and barking in a fashion that only the great Jack Nicholson could perform. Soon he gets up onto a truck bed directly in front of their vehicle and unfurls a tarp that is covering a piano. As cars honk, we see Bobby sit down at the instrument and begin playing. Despite all the honks and horns, we can hear the brilliant sound of the piano play as his head and fingers wave in passion, striking the keys. The truck slowly starts to pull away from Eldon, who is yelling at Bobby to get back in the car and quit fooling around. But as it pulls away, it begins leaving the highway, pulling off to an exit, leaving Eldon behind in the car as Bobby continues to play. I love that scene. It's so unexpected, and it's the first glimpse we get that Bobby has musical abilities and underlying talents, that there's something more within him. It's a scene that, despite being short, conveys quite a bit about the man we're following, even though we've only seen him in a short amount of time. Another scene I love and I won't go into too much detail, as I believe it's worth viewing, is when Bobby speaks to his father. He wheels him in a wheelchair out into the middle of a field and begins talking to him. He tries to communicate with his father, and for a man who isn't used to communicating, we can tell it's a bit hard for him. What's harder is that his father having suffered two strokes, can't communicate himself as he's unable to speak. It's a very tender and fragile scene that I really enjoy as it gives us another glimpse, another layer, if you will, to the character to show that there's something deep down. Five Easy Pieces is directed by Bob Rafelson and he did a tremendous job here. Now, I'm familiar with a couple of his other works, but this is definitely his masterpiece. Besides being a director, he was also a writer and producer who helped several films under the BBS brand succeed. As a co-founder, he, Bert Schneider, and Steve Blauner worked to release dramas that were low-budget projects. Like Roger Corman of Sci-Fi, this helped young creatives have an outlet to make films. Along with Bob, Jack Nicholson and Karen Black also played a part in their success, having starred in a number of their films released by the company in the 60s and 70s. If you look at their filmography from the time that BBS started and finished, it's a quite impressive catalog and introduced directors such as Peter Bogdanovich and Dennis Hopper. And right alongside them is Bob Rafelson. Five Easy Pieces does many things for me.
it makes me sympathize, question, and confound me at times. Through emotions like laughter, shock, and confusion, it keeps me guessing and wanting to see more. I also enjoy five easy pieces because it's a glance at a life foreign to my own. One that is messy and erratic, but deeply affecting and honest. Like any character study, I find it extremely interesting as it's a look at an experience very different from my own. A look at a flawed individual, which, let's be real, we all are, but also one that looks toward self-destruction. If you've never seen Five Easy Pieces, I highly recommend you tune in, especially if you enjoy film. It's a journey worth experiencing, and one that I'm sure will affect you in some way. Bob Rafelson hit an absolute home run with this film. Upon its release, it was nominated for four Oscars, and it has gone down in film history for its impact and influence on audiences and creatives alike. I hope if you do press play on this classic that you enjoy the journey. If you'd like to watch this film for yourself, you can find it on a variety of streaming services. At the time of this recording, you can find five easy pieces on streaming services like Prime Video, YouTube, Google Play, Apple TV, and Vudu if you subscribe to those services for either $2.99 or $3.99 to rent. This podcast was written and recorded by me, Brian Kinney, with music by Kevin McLeod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Each week, there will be new content including hints about episodes before they air. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, please visit our website at glazedcinema.com. There, you'll find info about the show, including a place to submit ideas for future episodes. For film fans who are hearing impaired, you can also find each episode in its written form on our blog page. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope to see you next time with another beverage and another fine film on Glazed Cinema. Glazed Cinema